Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Midweek action in Europe set the tone for football to come this weekend, but nothing was conclusive and the UEFA Champions League semi-final clashes. Here he goes towards Checo! First blood to Inter Milan in the semi-final. And it's Edin Checo with his 14th goal of the season. Di Marco in behind the Milan captain Calabria. Martinez lets it run. Here's Mkhitaryan and it's 2-0. Time is halftime in the time for all clubs concerned, but the attention switches quickly to domestic matters. In Italy, Inter Milan and AC Milan are part of a competitive top four fight. Real Madrid are resigned to not winning La Liga, but there's still work to be done to claim second position. And Manchester City are still in the tassel with Arsenal for the EPL trophy. Takes it on and finds a corner. It's Martin Erdegaard's 15th goal of the season. The skipper leading by example once more. Arsenal have found the opening goal and pulls it back. And the Gunners are well on course now for what could prove to be a vital away win. Gundogan, same place from which he scored earlier. He's done it again. For the last time he scored two goals in May, it won the Blues the title against Aston Villa. Maybe... With those goals, he set the Blues closer to retaining it. 
A game in hand, but their upcoming trip to Goodison Park is a tricky one, and Pep Cachola is more than concerned. Arsenal look to pile on the pressure and hope for a slip somewhere for Manchester City when they face Brighton. Liverpool, Manchester United, Newcastle, and even Spurs have top four places in sight. We have a full preview to games to come and the Bundesliga title race between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. We'll be in the United States to bring you analysis on the ongoing NBA playoffs, and we have boxing, athletics, and golf on our menu too. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Adder Jr., and welcome to The Locker Room. Live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. So thanks for staying with us on The Locker Room. Enjoy 99.7 FM and it's always a pleasure to come your way with a pacey preview of the weekend's action to come across sports and as always we are interactive via social media platforms and on whatsapp and well welcome again and let's begin tonight with football a rivalry that's 115 years old the teams played the first ever game in this stadium back in 1926 and it's a stadium they shared now for 76 years the anticipation is huge and he goes towards Sheko first blood to Inter Milan in the semi-final Marco in behind the Milan captain Calabria. Martinez lets it run. Here's Mkhitaryan and it's 2-0. Wonderful goal from Inter Milan and smashed into the back of the net by Henrik Mkhitaryan. Inter Milan took a big step towards reaching the Champions League final as they beat the city rivals in the thrilling Milan derby of San Siro. Inter Milan are three-time winners of the European Cup or Champions League have not reached the finals since the last lift of the trophy 13 years ago. So we begin with Serie A analysis and look forward to the weekend. We're quite a lot on with a number of twists expected in the top four race. Joining me for some analysis now is our Serie A expert, Sicho Astrum. Thank you very much, Sicho, for your time on the show as always. Uh, we witnessed a very one-sided Milan Dali on Wednesday. Against all the predictions, considering how the season has gone for these two with neck-to-neck battles between them. AC Milan collapse, Ada San Siro. Uh, they will be back on Wednesday, though. What can they do differently to take International by surprise? Yeah, John, I think I think the scoreline flatters Milan, to be fair. Because in, in that in that opening 30 minutes, it could have very much been 3-0, 4-0. The intensity with which Inter started the game was just perfect. And I think they look they look like they were ready more. They were more ready for it. They were, they were winning all the second balls, they were going into the tackle, they were winning all the 50-50s and everything. It's just it's just brilliant the way they conducted themselves. So personally, I just I just, I just, I just like the way Inter approached the game. However, I think Stefano Pioli as well will look back on the game and be thinking, could we have approached the game better in terms of style and tactics? Yeah, we know Rafalia wasn't playing. We know Benessa got injured early in the game. But if you look back on what he did against Spurs, he changed the 4-2-3-1 to play a back three against Spurs just to match them, knowing the strength of Spurs. In the game against Napoli as well, he changed the 4-2-3-1 to a 4-1-4-1 just to get numbers in the midfield. To, to be able to cope with Angriza, Lobotka, and Zielinski, and it worked. They qualified to the seventh, didn't they? So there was something in that. I just thought, Inter Milan are predictable. You know how Inter are going to start. You know how they're going to play. I just thought he was going to maybe then, you know, change something to match what Inter would provide. Because Inter have got better players. And on their day, 
they can be unplayable. But the fact that he went with a 4-2-3-1 where it didn't look tight enough, the midfield was very exposed. Milan dominated, dominated them completely in the middle of the park, dominated them defensively, dominated them I mean, in, a, in attack because they could have Dzeko and Lautaro go one-on-one with, one-on-one with the two centre-backs of Milan. So I just thought Stefano Pioli might have just not picked the right system for it. Knowing again that his, his best player, Rafael Leal, wasn't available, should he have just maybe gone a bit defensive to keep the game alive a bit more? In the second leg, when it's available, the two teams can go for it. Maybe all of, because they're too tight. So maybe he should have just calculated this a lot more. And I'm thinking in the second leg, he needs to find a bit more solidity in the midfield. The defence needs to be better. He needs to match Inter Milan in the way they, they try to play and create overloads. And maybe then, they, they could be hope. But at the moment, it is Inter Milan's game to lose. I thought they just looked really pumped for it. And maybe the two-goal lead going into the second leg might just be um, a stretch for Milan. But don't hold me against it. It's Champions League. We've seen these things before. And one goal can change the game. One moment of brilliance or madness can straight away turn the game on its head. So it's still there to be played for. But it's Inter's to lose now. Well, since you have to comfortably winning the Scudetto, the next step for Napoli will be to at least maintain the current squad in order to avoid falling off next season. But Osimhen already seems to be in the shop window. And yeah, he's been in there for a while, to be frank. And Vicha Kavarashkilia also seems to be another. Can fans, I mean the old and newly cooped, uh, be confident of keeping their star names for at least one more season, especially considering the fame of Aurelio Di Laurentiis? Yeah, I think for Napoli, the Napoli fans will be quite confident and comfortable because we've seen this before. Even though Napoli have not won the league in more recent years, this hasn't been their most talented side. I mean, we saw Marion Hamsik, we saw Laversi, we saw Cavani, we saw Higuain at, at some point. We've seen, we've seen players come through Napoli in more recent meetings and in Senia, where almost every summer, they, I mean, Lamezzi throughout his career had been linked to Manchester United. He never moved from Napoli until PSG came with a very good money for him. So I think Napoli fans know that they've got an owner who's not going to be looking at shipping the players out. And the way Aurelio De Laurentiis actually also signs players and the contract he offers them makes it more difficult for other teams to love these players because they've got the creative image right deals and you know most of them are signing to the club without release clauses so it's up to him to determine the value of the players and normally when he starts mentioning the value of what he thinks are of his players a lot of teams do back off the more reason why Koulibaly stayed as long as he did and now we are hearing that Victor Osman is going to go for somewhere around 150 million euros I mean I'm not sure how many teams are going to pay that amount of money for him you know, the only one player that I think that it might be out of the hands of Aurelio De Laurentiis is Kim Minjai, the defender or the centre-back, because he's one of those players who has got a release clause in his contract. So if any team puts that clause on a cheque and the player agrees to move, I think it's out of his hands. But ultimately, I think a core of that team could be kept together. The other problem, though, that Napoli fans might worry about is that their sporting director, Cristiano Guintoli, is going to be leaving. We understand he's going to be joining Juventus. And if he is joining Juventus, he was behind, you know, bringing in the likes of Anguiza, bringing in Kevarestalia, bringing in Kim, also in behind bringing in Victor Osimhen. And a lot of the players that we've seen more recently, Spadori, we've seen more recently. Now, if he's going to be leaving, then who is the next person that can bring in these players that he did bring in to get them to the title success? So I just think that that is where Napoli fans might be worried about, that they are going to have their sporting director leave for, you know, Turin or to Juventus. And, 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 and that could be the worry in building the next team or adding to the quality they already have. But I think 
they'll be more confident that Aurelien De Laurentiis is going to do what he, what he can do to keep most of the players around the club. Napoli taking the Serie A means that that's the third consecutive year Juventus have lost out in the Scudetto. After six years of domination and after the near escape to get back into the top four, they will have already started some self-introspection. But looking at how the three clubs, International, AC Milan and Napoli, have started repositioning themselves, is it safe to say Juventus can now forget about exerting the previous consistent dominance? I think for Juve, Juve know where they are now. And Juve has trade away also changing things a bit. Yeah, I'm not too sure about AC Milan. And again, I'm not too sure about Inter Milan if it's going to be Inzaghi at the helm. I think next season, there'll be a lot of pressure on Inzaghi if he stays to win the Scudetto. Because let's face it, in Italy, no one team has got a better group of players than Inter Milan. So there'll be pressure on Inzaghi to, to win the, the Scudetto. But we've never seen him win it before. You know, the closest his come was last season when he went toe-to-toe with AC Milan. And this season has been very disappointing. I think it's, the pressure on him has been lowered by, or been quenched by the fact that he's in the Coppa Italia final, which he's favourite to win, and also in the Champions League semis with one leg in the final already. But next season, Inter might be tagged to win. And Napoli as well, we are not too sure if it's a one-season wonder or they can go on and do it, or as we just discussed, if they are not going to sell some of their players, which are... A lot of their players, which I think they won't sell a lot of them, but would they have what it takes to go on and win it again? So I think Juventus are Juve, and when it comes to Italian football, things change quickly. Just as Napoli have quickly gone on to win it last season, we saw uh, AC Milan do it, the season before we saw Inter do it. Juventus could be very much back at the top because they've got genuine quality in there, they really do. And what Juve are trying to do now is to go into a new phase, they are rebuilding something. They are rebuilding something. That's why they are trusting the likes of Mirati, Fagioli, Gatti, you know, Ellen Jr. They are trusting a lot more of the, 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 the young core. They are going to blend with them some more of the experience. So they still got what it takes. And the crucial thing, as I mentioned, is that Napoli are losing their sporting director, Cristiano Grintoli, to Juventus. And he's a very talented guy. He knows his craft. He knows the players. He knows how to bring in players. And he's already started, he's already heard rumors that if he takes the job, Maybe Allegri wouldn't be the manager for them next season because he thinks the team should play differently. And when it, if the team is going to play differently, they already talked about uh, Igor Tudor or Roberto Di Zerbi or other, play, other coaches who in modern times are playing the more uh, modern style or futuristic football, the more entertaining football. And he, he, if he has led a team like Napoli, with the resource that Napoli has got to the Scudetto, what more can he not do in Italy with a team like Juventus with all the power and with all the money that sometimes they do have? So I think that Juve know that they need to, you know, rethink. They need to regather, they need to regroup. And that is why they are changing things at the top. And if Cristiano and Green totally steps in, things are going to shake up. And Juventus could very much straight away from next season be back right at the top. So Juve fans know that a lot of things are happening behind the doors. And maybe, just maybe next season, we could see them back at the top as well. But... I mean, all the other teams as well know that if Juventus are not dominant in Serie A, it is time for them to stand out and be counted. So, I mean, it's good for Serie A fans, isn't it? Nobody really knows what to expect into next season. It makes Italian football all the better. So finally, Sicho, then, what kind of impact do we expect on the top four race after this round of fixtures? Yeah, for the top four, of course, congratulations to Napoli, their champions. And apart from Lazio, who are in Europe, every, almost every other team fighting for that top four, and Atalanta as well, Almost every other team fighting for that top four is, is going to be 
attention. The attention is going to be divided or split into two. Inter will be thinking about the return leg. AC Milan will do the same. Roma will also be thinking about your fixture in the, um, the Europa League as well as Juventus. So that, that, that could have a massive impact on this weekend fixtures. Managers might not be starting their full squad. So you look at Juventus who play against Cremonese, that, that I think Juventus are going to win at home. They should win it and keep their and hold on to their second place. Uh, Inter plays as well. Never easy to play as well on any day because they are very tricky side. Uh, Lazio will come up against Lecce. You expect Lazio to get it past Lecce, but Lazio have got a character, a habit of losing against the less fancy side. The, the more difficult fixture for any of those teams competing that tough, for in my opinion, has got to do with Spezia playing against Milan, considering the circumstances surrounding the game and Milan looking forward to the return leg in the Champions League on Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of team Stefano Pioli fields when they play against Spezia. Does he now shift his focus to finishing in top four? Or does he shift his focus in qualifying through Champions League to make it? You know, there, there, there's, there's plenty for him to think about. So ultimately, I think that is where the focus is. Atalanta as well should be beating Salernitana away from home, where on the road, Atalanta are strong. Thank you very much, Sicho Astream, for your time. Sicho is our Serie A expert and joined us with some analysis. Bundesliga next. It's in the fall in Adeyemi attacks. Oh, what a header. Alez in the middle and there it is, 2-0. Finally, Alez gets the service in the spotlight again with a goal and an assist. And here comes Dortmund again. Brand- Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Has broken the offside trap. And this time Marlon with a goal at his mercy. For now, Bellingham drive me forward. Oh, ankle breaker for Arnold. Bellingham. Oh, would have been glorious. And it is going to go in for Jude Bellingham. Paredes has a bit more pace to deal with that threat. But they've given it away here. Allaire to tee up Adeyemi. Well, Wolfsburg makers of their own downfall. They're all but guaranteed safety this season. But given how strong they are in home, saw two games as Bellingham makes it six. Borussia Dortmund demolished hapless Wolfsburg 6-0 on Sunday with two goals apiece from Karim Adeyemi and Jude Bellingham to stay hot on the heels of Bundesliga leaders Bayern Munich with three games left in the season. 
Very tight running. Expected then with both giants with a huge opportunity to win it. So what are we to expect this weekend? Let's bring in Chris Harrington from DW, our partner station in Berlin. Thanks, Chris, so much for your time. With so much happening everywhere on the Bundesliga table, what are we to expect then on March Day 32? Well, uh, looking at the very top of the table and at the very bottom, first at the top, Bayern and Schalke. I mentioned Schalke have had somewhat of a second win and picked things up. You know, they're just outside of the relegation playoff spot. So picking up a point is in their interest. So they're not going to be an easy walk in the park for uh, Bayern Munich looking to defend their crown and win their 11th title in a row. So that could be interesting, you know, as can Dortmund and Gladbach this match. Now, Dortmund being at home is always a boost. Okay, we just saw, you know, uh, what it could mean versus Wolfsburg. And if Dortmund pick up the points they need and somehow through a miracle, the Royal Blues can hold Bayern, then the title chase gets very interesting. The title run is up for debate and we will be watching it until match day 34. Something the Bundesliga fans haven't done in quite, quite some time. Typically, the all of the fans are focused on the bottom end of the table, and that brings me to Hertha Berlin. Hey, it looks like maybe we'll just have one club from the capital city competing in the top flight in the Bundesliga, and that's, you know, first the little boys coming up. That's Union Berlin. You know, they're in a comfortable spot. They're going to return to Europe. They've been outstanding. And then you look at head to Berlin, a team that's recently gotten this injection of cash. They're horrible. They're at the very bottom of the standings. They desperately need three points. They're at Cologne. So, you know, they're in a do-or-die situation, and it looks like they're already dead. So, you know, that match could be interesting. Maybe we see a lot of fireworks because I think every player knows what relegation could mean, not only, you know, to the club, but also to their uh, future wages, you know, and their careers, everything. Everything's at stake in Hand to Berlin. So that match could be quite interesting as well. So those three are the three matches that stood out to me. Aside the action, there are a number of off-the-pitch matches to consider too. Of course, the transfer window is a big one. And there are already plenty of transfer rumors surrounding players in the Bundesliga, of course, like Jude Bellingham. What's the latest there? Well, the latest is kind of odd. Dortmund says there's no official, there are no official offers for Jude Bellingham. You know, uh, of course, there are countless rumors with Liverpool, Real Madrid. The very interesting rumor I read about uh, Real Madrid was saying that Spain was ready to treat Jude Bellingham like a king, like royalty, if he joined Real Madrid. That was interesting. But according to the sporting director at Dortmund, no official offer. I think key word is official here. You know, because you, you might have a conversation here and there, throwing out numbers, you know, in, in, in possibilities. But if nothing's on paper, I'm sure Dortmund are not going to take it serious. But uh, looking, coming off Bellingham's recent performance, there's no reason why not to get him now because he's quite hot. And uh, he's eager to leave. You know, uh, Dortmund do have a title run, but it just might not be in their grasp, right? It's out of their control, in other words. Uh, that's one uh, rumor that stood out to me. Another is that uh, Thomas Tuchel could consider uh, getting uh, Dembele, Usman Dembele back. You know, he played at Dortmund. He was outstanding. Things haven't really worked out as well for him at Barcelona. 
Some suggest he has not quite lived up to the hype. Either way, uh, Tuchel, it said, it suggested that he's already approached Bayern Munich, the insiders, and said that he, he wants to try to run it back to try to, you know, research that career because Dembele, of course, stood out and played very well under Tuchel. And uh, maybe that uh, reunion does take place. And uh, another one also regarding Randall Kolomuani, Frankfurt's stellar player. You know, Moani has been outstanding. You know, clearly the most bright piece of Frankfurt's uh, team right now. He scored 13 goals, 13 assists. One of few players with uh, double doubles in the Bundesliga, meaning double digits in goals and double digits in assists. You know, he's been linked to a lot of rumors. Well, uh, their CEO recently came out and he commented about Moani, saying that this number of 90 million euros linked to him is way too low because he's under contract for several years. Uh, his, uh, not several years, but a, a little bit longer to where they could probably secure more of an investment for his signature. So that's quite interesting because I do expect Mwani to depart. He said he really wants to test his talents, you know, in, in a more competitive league, in a more competitive situation. So time will tell. We have to wait and let the dust settle. But I did think that was very interesting coming from Frankfurt. Uh, basically, just a suggestion to the clubs interested in Milwaukee, increase the number. And Chris, before we go, what else has hit your radar? Well, Bayern Munich's uh, injured and sometimes uh, not on and off again player, standout player nonetheless. Alfonso Davis has been named the CONCACAF Player of the Year for the second straight year. He's Canada's best player. He, he's won it before he stand out. You know, that's one reason he's... Uh, part of Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich's already committed and, and they want a relationship with uh, Alfonso Davis uh, to last a very long time. They want him to become a fixture with that club. And uh, he just came out saying it's a real honor. I thought that's interesting that he's still cleaning up the awards. Canada didn't have the showing at the World Cup like they would have liked, but he's still winning awards and he's still the best player coming out of that conference uh, to compete in uh, major international tournaments. Thank you very much for the Bundesliga update. That's Chris Harrington from our partner station, DW in Berlin, Germany. La Liga next that we know, Kevin De Bruyne's screamer and Manchester City, a Champions League semi-final first deck draw at Real Madrid to keep their dream of the treble on track. City know any win next Wednesday at home against Madrid will send them to only the second Champions League final against either Inter Milan or Inter Milan. But that's our cue into La Liga where there is still a lot to fight for uh, this weekend. David with what is our Spanish football expert and joins us with some perspective then. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, let's start with the Champions League game between Real Madrid and Manchester City. How impressed were you and do you see Madrid snatching this again? One match played outside of La Liga was the eagerly anticipated semi-final first leg between Real Madrid and Manchester City. This would have made a great final, but then again, we get to see them twice in the semi, so it's... It's, it's a plus in that respect, and what a game it was. A high-quality performance by both teams. Fantastic finishes from Vinicius and Kevin De Bruyne, two quality players at the height of their uh, performances this season. It was ironic that one team dominated uh, and then the other team scored, and vice versa. In the first half, it was dominant from Manchester City. They had six shots to just one. 73% possession, and yet Real Madrid scored, <laughs> as is football. That's why we love it, because it's unpredictable. unpredictable. Second half, similar story, but vice versa. Real Madrid came out the traps. Much better team, obviously, Carlo Ancelotti using experience. 
but they've given these players a right dressing down uh, half time and they came out a different team dominated the game created more chances but then again Manchester City took their chance quality strike from Kevin De Bruyne who's having a fantastic season definitely you could argue between him and Haaland for the player of the season I think Haaland will get it because he's breaking all kinds of records but the work that De Bruyne does he is the absolute key for that team for sure and he proved it once again so the tie is beautifully poised going to the second leg there's no away goals like in the past so it's an even keel for both teams Manchester City looking for only their second place in the final when they played against Chelsea and losing 1-0 in Portugal Real Madrid looking for their 14th Champions League their fabled competition something's got to give it's going to be Real Madrid the, the champions and spirit of the of the everlasting European Cup slash Champions League versus Manchester City the most informed team in world football right now I think for the listeners and for ourselves it's just if you're not a Real Madrid or Manchester City fan you simply got to enjoy this because this is one of the biggest tickets in town it's going to be a great game I'm convinced and we will see who will make the final Barcelona obviously did not take part in the Champions League that's well documented but there have been huge rumours and counter rumours of course about Messi possibly joining the Catalans again. What more do you know? Well, Barcelona didn't play and Messi wasn't playing in Barcelona, but there's a lot of talk about the two uh, fulfilling their marriage contributions once again with Messi possibly coming back to Barcelona. This has been fueled even more for the player going AWOL in Paris because there was a tourism event in Saudi Arabia. Messi is a tourist ambassador, a tourism ambassador for uh, Saudi Arabia. And he went on his day off, supposedly day off, to fulfill some commitments over in the country, in the kingdom. And uh, PSG are not happy with that. They've suspended the player for uh, at least two matches. And there have been mass demonstrations outside the stadium for Messi to leave. It's incredible to think that the World Cup hero has gone from hero to zero. And I think maybe PSG fans are still bitter with France losing that final to Argentina, but also... I see that, yeah, it's a lack of respect that Messi is not fully acknowledging his duties with PSG. So it seems like one marriage is coming to an end with Messi and Paris, and one marriage could be starting or being rekindled once again with Messi going home. Barca have a lot to do to get their um, finances in shape to make this deal possible. They've got to sell quite a few players. They might have to pull another of those famous economic levers but they will do everything in their power to bring Messi what they will call home. Dave, let's take you back and talk about the Copa del Rey final won by Real Madrid. What were your key takeaways in that game? Well, the main talking point of the week in Spain was the Copa del Rey final. If we rewind to last Saturday night, it was the Copa del Rey final between Real Madrid and Osasuna in the Estadio de la Cartuja here in Seville. And there was no La Liga matches at the weekend to give the full spotlight on the Copa del Rey final. And it was a win for Los Blancos, the Whites. It was Real Madrid winning just by a slender margin of two goals to one. Osasuna put up a real fight in this match. Over 30,000 fans coming from Pamplona to cheer on their team and they put up a really good effort. Real Madrid taking the lead early on. Then Osasuna equalising, making a good uh, fist of the match before Real Madrid finally prevailing in the end to make sure that they get their hands on the trophy and another Copa del Rey in their big, big trophy cabinet. 
And um, judging by the reflection of the game, I think Real Madrid just shaded it. They did enough. I think that's the ethos of this team that they don't shine, but they get the job done. And they got the job done once again. And that he had, had huge ramifications on the European places. Dave, definitely Madrid winning the Copa del Rey means that there are more opportunities for La Liga teams to get into Europe. Can you explain the dynamics to us? Well, the ramifications of Real Madrid winning that match were massive because sixth place in La Liga now becomes a Europa Liga spot. In the in previously, uh, only up to fifth place would have been the Europa Liga. So now the knock-on effect, the domino effect, is that the seventh place goes to the Europe Conference, which would have been the sixth place in the past. So it means the likes of Osasuna, Girona, Rayo Vallecano, and even Sevilla, who were 19th at the World Cup, are all in the race for a European place. And thanks to Real Madrid winning, it really opens up a really interesting race for European places come the end of the season. So at the moment, we've got Villarreal in fifth. Then two points behind the Real Betis. They are the favourites at the moment to get European places in the Europa League. And then there's a real battle for that seventh spot. So with Real Madrid winning, it really, really does give us a, an interesting final furlong of, of activities going into the European places. And there's a lot of interesting matches have become of this. And yes, there was royalty to behold as Ken Felipe made it to the game. Talk about the Copa del Rey final, despite his hectic schedule across Europe. Why is this particularly significant? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, George, there was one interested spectator in particular taking his place at the Copa del Rey final. One King Felipe of Spain. Obviously, the competition named after the Copa del Rey, the King's Cup. And always as a traditional ceremony, the King is there to present the cup at the end of the match. And it was an interesting day for him because in the morning he was in London for the King, another King, the King Charles III, his coronation at uh, Buckingham Palace. And by night he flew on his private jet to Seville to be present for the Copa del Rey final and to be present and present the trophy to the uh, the winning team, which of course was Real Madrid. So it was an interesting game for uh, an interesting day for uh, for King Felipe. Dave, rumours are rife that Real Madrid are likely to get in Borussia Dortmund's Jude Bellingham. Should we believe this? So um, yeah, in terms of more Real Madrid content, Real Madrid are favourites to side Jude Bellingham. That's according to many many sources. Uh, linked with Dortmund, linked with the player. Jude Bellingham having a terrific season with Borussia Dortmund, uh, scoring some spectacular goals, uh, setting up a lot of assists. His all-round play, his vision, his um, yeah attacking threat, his defensive duties, his uh, box-to-box abilities, technical qualities. He's the all-rounder. He's an all-round player, and you can see why 
Many top clubs are, are very, very much interested in acquiring his services. It's amazing to think he's only 19 and he's played already 200 matches for Dortmund and he's played over 20 matches for England. He's already a captain on the field and he's not a captain, but you can see he's going to be a future captain for both club and country. This is a player that started his career at Birmingham City when he was just uh, 15 years old. He made his debut and before his move to Dortmund, it was a 30 million pound move, which seems very, very cheap now. They actually retired his number of 22. And there was a lot of derision, a lot of um, jokes of, as to why you would retire a number of a player who's just 17. But um, it's showing now because they knew the quality that Bellingham was. He's, in fact, his brother, uh, Jobo, he's at the uh, the youth team in Birmingham City and they've got high ex expectations for him too. So there could be a Bellingham double on the horizon in the future. The Bellingham brothers could be uh, tearing up European football. But as for Jude Bellingham, it seems as though that, according to sources, he's going to be signing for Real Madrid next season. There's talk of a six-year deal. I think it makes sense because Bellingham's used to playing continental football. It won't phase him going to Real Madrid. And for Real Madrid's point of view, well, they need to have some um, refurbishments, let's say, in that midfield. Luka Modric's 38. Amazing how he's still going at the top level, but his time is ticking. Um, couple that with Tony Cruz as well. Another top, top player, but again, uh, he's in the uh, the latter end of his career and with signing Jude Bellingham, it would make a mouthwater in midfield with the likes of Valverde. Um, and the, it would it would give him more competence and more um, opportunities in midfield. Danny Ceballos is another one that he's out of contract, but he's doing everything he can to stay for Real Madrid next season. So um, Camavinga is playing left back at the moment, but he, he's naturally a midfielder. Um, so it gives Real Madrid more guile and more quality and more, um, yeah, youth on their side going forward because that midfield is very much of an aging uh, department for all that they are quality. So I think the move makes absolute sense for both parties. David with what reports for Real Betis and is a Spanish expert and joined us with some analysis ahead of the weekend. It's now time to bring you the Joy Sports BBC two-way series uh, this weekend. I was joined by my colleague John Bennett, who shared some great insight uh, into many key matters ahead of the weekend. And you can enjoy this. Thank you, John, for your time on the show, as always. And another weekend with Arsenal still looking to nibble at Manchester City. The citizens take on Everton after a very difficult midweek UCL encounter with Real Madrid. They take on Everton. Who did big damage on Brighton in midweek? Can you foresee any complications for Pep Guardiola? Hi, George. I can. I, I really think that Everton have a chance here. I, I'm not sure if it's wishful thinking. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm neutral when it comes to the title race. Whether Manchester City or Arsenal win it, I'm completely neutral. But what I would love is for it to go down to the final weekend of the season. At the moment, if they both keep winning, 
Manchester City win it by four points so it won't go down to the final weekend of the season. So for the neutral, it will be, I think, exciting if Manchester City had a slip up before the end of the season. And there's a lot to, there's a lot of reasons why possibly it could happen this weekend. Goodison Park is a fortress when it's in full voice. And I think it will be in full voice because the Everton fans are buzzing after a brilliant 5-1 win at Brighton. The fact that Everton have suddenly hit a bit of form. I actually noticed it during the 2-2 draw against Leicester. I was at that game at the King Power Stadium. I thought Everton, their, their fight was there. Their structure was there. I thought they played really well. They deserved to win that game. And then they went on to have a fantastic performance against Brighton. Sean Dyche, we know he can, he can set up teams to defend really well. I think that's another reason. And also, Everton are one of the, the rare teams to have taken points off Manchester City this season. They drew 1-1 with them earlier this season. So... Listen, they're big favourites, Manchester City. 99% of me thinks that City will win this comfortably, but there's just something at the back of my mind which makes me think that Everton possibly could test them. On the other hand, Arsenal have a tough game themselves against the Brighton team who want to bounce back after their defeat to Everton. But maybe there will be a twist this weekend. Well, John, last weekend's Newcastle clash is the one Arsenal would have lost last season. So uh, winning means that they have come so far as a team... Thomas Partey has sat out of the last two games for Jorginho. Is that the case of the wheel of favour turning away from the Ghanaian or is Mikel Arteta simply looking for something different? I think Thomas Partey's looked tired, hasn't he, in the last few games um, and his performances, I think even he would admit, haven't been up to standard. So I think it was the right decision for Mikel Arteta to make that change, to bring in Jorginho who is not only a great player, but he's he, he's got that winning mentality, knows how to inspire teams. He's been entitled to winning teams. So I, I think that was a good move. And Jorginho has played really well. I think for Arsenal, it would be brilliant if they could get a fit and firing Thomas Partey back for the for the final games of the season. Because take nothing away from, from Thomas Partey's season. He's had on the pitch an excellent season um, so far. But I think it's probably the right decision, the right call by Mikel Arteta just take him out because the last few performances that they weren't up to, to the standard that he set himself so far this season Manchester United fans and David Ayer have a very toxic relationship of course boss Eric Ten Hag has come out to defend his goalkeeper saying he wants Espanya to commit to a new contract but considering events of the Europa League defeats there to Sevilla and De Gea's inconsistent performances and as well as his expiring contract are many insiders unhappy Eric Ten Hag's a very good man manager and he knows that he has to he has to back his players in, in the press. But I wonder if behind the scenes, surely, I wonder if the penny has dropped and he feels that he needs a, a new first choice goalkeeper next season. Now, there's talk of David De Gea staying around. He's a great character, David De Gea. I think he's really a positive force for the dressing room. And take nothing away from what he's done in his career at Manchester United. Some of his performances, they, 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 they've been spectacular in the past. And yes, he's made mistakes, particularly recently, but I think he will be remembered very, very positively by the Manchester United fans. There's no doubt about that. I, I do think they need a new first choice, though, next season because I, Eric, David De Gea doesn't really fit into the Eric Ten Hag style of what he would need from a goalkeeper. Listen, we all know that. I'm sure Eric Ten Hag knows that. But what you say in the press, you have to be very careful and you have to back your players, I think. So 
we, we will see what happened next season, but it, it would surprise me if, if, if David De Gea was the first choice for Manchester United next season. There's been some Chelsea talk making the rounds. They're finally safe from relegation, obviously. So the focus now has shifted to next season with this season already gone. There has been talk of signings and Romelu Lukaku has popped up in the analysis for a possible third stint. Is there any truth in this considering everything that happened in his second stint? Well, it's very difficult to say. Is, is Romelu Lukaku a Maurizio Pochettino-type player? Possibly, possibly could be. He's got some big decisions to make, hasn't he, Maurizio Pochettino? And some decisions will be out of his control because I'm sure there'll be players that he would like to get out of the door that he won't be able to get out of the door. So he's possibly going to have to work with some players that in a perfect world he wouldn't want to work with. So that's going to be fascinating when he comes in to see which players he he gets out of the door. Romelu Lukaku's had a mixed season, hasn't he? He was on the bench midweek in, in the Champions League. Um, it was Edin Dzeko who started and Edin Dzeko got the goal. Brilliant finish, 37 years old, still going strong. But it's, it's up in the air in terms of which players Maurizio Pochettino will keep. My gut feeling is that I don't think Maurizio Pochettino will want to have Romelu Lukaku as his first choice striker, but but it might be needs must because that, that's what they're really missing, a top class number nine. And will they have the ability to get in a top class number nine? Will 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 that be able to will that be something he'll be able to make happen? So I think there'll be decisions that Maurizio Pochettino will have to make, but some of it there will also be compromises as well. He may be forced to stick with certain players that in a perfect world he wouldn't want to stick with. Speaking of strikers, Victor Simon is the hottest in town. He's been linked to a move away from Italy and some clubs have been identified as front runners. Manchester United, Paris Saint-Germain and Chelsea have been mentioned. Well, the Arsenal legend Ian Wright has tipped Chelsea to complete a deal for the Nigerian. Is that possible based on all that has happened with Chelsea? It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of money. We're talking 150 million. There's talk this week that um, Victor Osterman is going to get a new contract. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we we had one more season of Victor Osterman at Napoli. I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world for his career at all. He absolutely loves the club. It's an amazing club. What they've done this season is amazing. Next season, I'm sure they will want to challenge in the Champions League. Maybe they will be able to strengthen the team as well over the European summer he's working with a wonderful manager in Luciano Spalletti he's working with a player alongside him who's going to set him up for countless chances in Kravatskalia so everyone's tipping in for a move for me I think that it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's at Napoli next season but you're right every club is going to be interested Bayern Munich for me made a lot of sense but it looks as though they're not going to go in that direction so yeah you'd think it will be Paris Saint-Germain or the Premier League Manchester United need a striker will they be able to get Harry Kane I really doubt they will Chelsea need a striker but will they have the funds after all that the spending they've done this season to bring in Osimhen so Paris Saint-Germain might be might be the most likely destination if he leaves Napoli but yeah, basically what I'm trying to say, George, is I'd love him to stay one more season at Napoli at least. John Bennett with the Joy Sports BBC 2A series. And now time to find out how to track Ghanaian performances this week in Europe. My colleague Razak Musbao has the lowdown. Yes, George. And with just three games to go in the English Premier League, uh, the fate of the teams of some Ghanaian players 
is still undecided. In fact, uh, as the battle to avoid relegation gets even harder for some of them. Let me start from Southampton. And at the moment, it does seem that uh, it might take a miracle for Kamal Dean and his teammates to survive in the Premier League as they continue to languish at the bottom of the table. They're lying 20th and they've been there for several weeks. I mean, Kamal Dean did come from the bench in their 4-3 loss to Nottingham Forest and it's very likely that he would do the same in the game against Fulham this weekend. Now, there is also Andrew Ayew and he was, you know, an unused substitute in that game uh, for Nottingham Forest when they defeated Southampton. And uh, although he's unlikely to start against Chelsea this weekend, I was just hoping that he might also get minute and, um, you know, continue to help Nottingham Forest to avoid relegation. Now, also line 18th is Daniel Amati's Leicester City, who conceded five in their last outing against Fulham. Unfortunately, Daniel Amati is still unable to make it to even the bench and the new coach, Dean Smith. And uh, he's just hoping that he will have, uh, you know, Dean Smith will have a change of heart and consider him uh, in their difficult game against Liverpool this weekend. And Leicester City at the moment need every point they can master to avoid the drop. Now, at Bournemouth, Antoine Semenyon did come from the bench in the game against Chelsea, but it was not enough as Chelsea, uh, George, I'm sure you're happy, uh, were able to win that game three goals to one. Now, Bournemouth currently need just a point to guarantee safety, and the next game is jo- against Jordan and use Crystal Palace this weekend, and we just... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. To see if they can manage at least a draw and ensure their safety in the English Premier League because a draw will give them 40 points and with 40 points you can be assured of safety in the English Premier League. Now let's move away from the EPL and to Belgium because Joseph Pinto, I mentioned last weekend, he's been on some impressive form uh, this season and uh, that performance, the form he's been this season has earned him a nomination for the 2023 Ebony Shoe uh, is an award given annually to the best African or African uh, origin player in the Belgian Pro League at the end of every season. Now, the 25-year-old winger has been in blistering form since the beginning of the 2022-23 season and have been involved in 30 goals in our competitions for KRC Genk. Pento uh, has scored uh, 16 goals and provided 14 assists in 10-5 appearances this season. And uh, he will also be in action this weekend when Genk travelled to Union St. Gilois this weekend. Now, in the Netherlands, it's good news because Black Stars midfielder Mohamed Kudus made a return to action uh, last weekend in Ayas Aridovese game against AZ Akama at the Johan Cruyff Arena on Saturday. Now, the 22-year-old has been out for almost a month 
following an injury, he picked while playing in the semi-final of the KNV uh, B Cup against Feyenoord. Now, Caduce played 45 minutes and was replaced by Owen Window after the break. Uh, this weekend, Ayas are back in action against Groningen on Sunday and hopefully he will be on the pitch again as he, you know, look forward to uh, making full, full recovery and to play, you know, the full length of the game, 90 minutes. Well, in Spain, Inaki Williams, Bilbao, will also be in action against Valero and Joseph Edu Celto Vigo will play Valencia. There's also games in France for Gideon Mensas Auxerre and uh, Ali Dusedu is also still out over there. And just before I go, um, George, in for some time now, you haven't heard me mention Tariq Lamte is because uh, he's been injured and Tariq Lamte has been injured. He's, he has a knee injury and he's been out for quite a while now for Brighton. So he's not been featuring in Brighton's game and we're wishing Tariq Lamte speedy recovery and hopefully he returns um, come next season because the season is almost ending in English really. He returns next season and be in the best of form for the club and country. That's Razak Mazbal, NBA Next. Three players over 20 points, and basically that was what it was at halftime. Curry at 18, Jokic and Caldwell Pope each had better than 20. Brown hits a three, he's got 11 now. Jokic on the dive, There's that puts it up and in. The Phoenix Suns season is over. The Denver Nuggets are moving on to the conference finals for the second time in four years. They'll get a little time off before facing either the Lakers or the Warriors. And we're getting closer to knowing the two who will emerge from the Eastern and Western Conferences to face off in the finals at this year. After the round of games on Thursday, we look forward to what should be an interesting weekend. So let's get some analysis ahead of the action to come. And our NBA expert, Kofi, also joins us with some perspective. Thanks, Kofi, for your time on the show, as always. And the Denver Nuggets have managed to close out the Phoenix Suns in Game 6, becoming the first team to advance to the conference finals. What were your takeaways from that series? And what, really, does Kevin Durant and the Suns need to do off-season to become real contenders next year? What are the Nuggets' chances as well in the conference finals? First of all, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets on being the first team to qualify for the conference finals. They've played superbly all playoffs in the first round and also in the second round against the Phoenix Suns. Um, Nikola Jokic, their superstar, former two-time MVP, has played amazing basketball, some of the best basketball of his career. He's a big reason why they've been able to, to make it to the conference finals. They have a very good roster. Some teams, like the Phoenix Suns in question, only have a couple of players who can who can make a big impact. But the Denver Nuggets have a full roster. The likes of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown are all very, very good players who can make an impact and help you win. And I think that's what made the difference in this series. The Phoenix Suns were limited to the offensive outpouring of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So in Game 6, when Devin Booker had an off night, they lost by 20 points. So... I believe in the off-season, the Phoenix Suns are going to have to find a way to get some depth in their roster. They need a better bench because in the playoffs, the, st- the stars may show up and play well, but you need that extra role player. You need that unsung hero to come in and give support. And this series, the Suns just didn't have that. So I believe the Denver Nuggets, moving on to the Western Conference Finals, have a very, very good chance to reach the finals, either against the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors. I believe Jokic is... is Proven why he might be the best player in the NBA. 
is going to be very difficult to stop even for Anthony Davis. And like I said, the, the, the depth of the roster gives them an advantage against every team. They have been the first seed in the Western Conference all year, so it's not a surprise. They, they are really that good, and I believe that they have a very good chance to make it to the NBA Finals. Very well noted there, Kofi. Uh, the Boston Celtics as well pulled out a heroic victory on the road in Game 6. What did you make of Jason Tatum's performance and what are you expecting to see in Game 7? That was an absolutely thrilling game between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. These two rivals have given us another classic series. Boston was able to pull out an amazing victory on the road in Philadelphia. Jason Tatum had a horrible game through the first three quarters one of the worst games he's ever played, honestly. It was horrific. Everybody on Twitter was bashing him, and it looked like it was going to be a very horrible way to come out of the playoffs. But in the last five minutes, he showed his class, and he, he caught fire in the last five minutes, and that proved to be the difference. And it goes to show you why you can never count out a superstar. They always have that, 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 that ability in them, and it came out at the perfect time for the Boston Celtics. I believe Game 7 is going to be a grueling encounter. It's going to be in Boston, but both teams have proved that they can win on the other team's home court so just because the game seven is going to be held in boston doesn't give boston a clear advantage i don't think so it's going to be a very tight tightly contested game seven i believe it's going to come down to the wire i can't give you a prediction right now but i think joel Embiid is going to have to find a way to 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 exert his dominance on this game he he's won the mvp this season he's had a terrific year and it would be so heartbreaking if He's not able to qualify for the conference finals. He's never passed the second round in his career yet. So this is going to be very, very big for Joel Embiid to try and find his way to the conference finals for the first time. The Golden State Warriors held off elimination with a Game 5 win over LA Lakers. Well, the series now enters Game 6. Crucial Game 6 on Saturday. Right before we get into the prospects of that game, what will the defeat mean to the legacy of either Steph Curry or LeBron James? Well, for sure, the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers matchup has lived up to its hype. Game six promises to be a fascinating, tense encounter. In terms of the legacies of LeBron James and Steph Curry, um, they are the two faces of the NBA in this era. For the last 10 years, you can argue that they've been top five players, each of them. They faced off in the finals many times back in LeBron's heyday with the Cavs. They've had many great matchups. This this matchup probably won't tarnish anybody's legacy both legacies are quite established both have four championships multiple mvps final mvps but for sure having a chance to make a finals run and possibly win a fifth finals or fifth championship will be big for either player that would be just one less than the great michael jordan so lebron james as we know is always trying to catch the goats he's always in a in a in a, in a race with with the goats and steph Curry is also climbing his way to the top 10 list of all-time players so winning a fifth championship will be big for either player um i think this is bigger for lebron mainly because of his age lebron has been defying father time this season with incredible performances but he's only human and he can't keep this up forever so he doesn't have so many more opportunities to make a deep playoff run. So I think this is more important for LeBron. Kerry, who is also a little bit up there in age, I think he has a couple of more seasons left at a high level. But LeBron might not have that luxury because of age. So I think LeBron will be you know, trying his best to get the fifth championship and, and establish his legacy even more, maybe even catch Michael Jordan. Now then, who do you see taking game six, especially with the injury scare of Anthony Davis? And while you predict any updates on the Lakers center? Well, first of all, 
I was quite surprised by the Lakers' ability to keep up with the Golden State Warriors. Before the series started, I didn't think the Lakers had the offensive capabilities to keep up with the Warriors, but the Lakers' staple has been their defense. Um, since the All-Star break, they've had the best defense in the league, and it's shown in this series the likes of Vanderbilt and Schroeder, Austin Reeves have been chasing around Steph Curry. Um, they switch everything on defense, so they're able to keep up with Golden State's movements. So they've done a very, very good on the defensive end. Game six is going to come down to the Lakers um, continuing to play this, this great defense that they've been able to play, especially at home. So far in every home game, the Lakers have played extremely well defensively. I expect it to continue, but everything hinges on Anthony Davis. This series has hinged on Anthony Davis. LeBron James, while still a great player, doesn't have the energy due to his age to keep up and keep up the tempo for the whole 48 minutes. So Anthony Davis is the younger superstar on the team. His defense has been amazing this postseason. But his block shots, he's been contesting shots, he's kept the opponents down to a very low field goal percentage on people he's guarding personally. He's completely altered the game and kept Golden State out of the paint. So if he's not 100%, that's going to be a major liability for the Lakers. They need him to be his best. The latest update I got was that he's doing okay. Um, he was a bit dizzy after the hit to, he took to the face. But by the end of the game, LeBron James and Darvin Ham, their coach, came out in a press conference and said he's doing fine. So Laker Nation is hoping that he'll be fine and ready to go for game six. If he's ready and he's playing his best defensively, I believe that the Lakers will close it out in game six. If AD is not 100%, then I think the Warriors are going to come out with a victory, then have game seven back on their home court, which is going to be a very difficult matchup for the Lakers. So if you're a Laker fan, you better hope AD is fit and he comes up big in game six. Kofi, meanwhile, uh, Miami Heat and Phoenix Suns will be slugging it out in Game 6 as well tonight. RJ Barrett came up big to save the Knicks from elimination last time out. Jalen Brunson uh, also played all 48 minutes and scored 38 points in the Game 5 victory. What will count up big for the Knicks to overcome the Heat in Miami? The New York Knicks did extremely well to keep their season alive with a big Game 5 victory. Like you mentioned, Jalen Brunson, who has been the next best player this playoffs. Though he wasn't an all-star, Julius Randle was rather um, selected for the all-star team this season. But Brunson has certainly been the best player this playoffs. He's been playing stellar. He managed to play all 48 minutes in the, in the last game. That's going to be very difficult to keep up. But he's proven to be reliable, consistent scorer for the Knicks. But I believe the Miami Heats are, are, are the better team. And going back for game six on their home floor, with the likes of Jimmy Butler, who has been unbelievable this playoffs. Um, Jimmy Butler seems to turn on a switch every playoffs and comes out as almost a top five player. In a regular season, he's not as good, but in the playoffs, he really turns it on. And that's why he's been doing all playoffs. And I believe in game six at home, Miami just has a little bit more than the Knicks. The Knicks have had a very good season though. Um, I expect them to fight very hard in game six, but I believe Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat have the experience, they have the coaching. Um, Spostra is arguably the best coach in the NBA. And I think giving him another chance at home, he'll probably come out with the right schemes to defend Brunson, at least keep Brunson to a lower total than what he puts up in game five. And I think Jimmy Butler will come up clutch for the Miami Heat and help them to sail through to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in a row. Well, we look forward to every action to come. A big thank you to you, Kofi Ouzo, for joining us with the NBA update. Uh, definitely over the weekend, we know what will be happening. And this uh, is very, very interesting with the way things are building up.
But that's all time will allow us for today on The Locker Room. I'm George Adi Jr. Until we meet next week with another great edition of the show, be good. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.